Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Just Hoop Show. I know we've been off for a minute, but today I am back. I am your host, Jorge Larea Jr., joined by a new but familiar face in the Just Hoops community, Shazeb Malik. How are you doing today, Shazeb? I'm doing great, Jorge. Thanks for having me back. All right, man, so we're going to get into some spicy NBA topics, but I want to get uh, pretty uh, just started about where we started with uh, Just Hoops about, like, what, two years ago? So yeah. we're the original. The, this is the original Just Hoops cast. The original, uh, I guess one would say, Just Hoops show is right That's here. Right. This is the original cast, uh, Shazab Malik. So for those of you that are to the newer show and don't know, this is Shazab. He uh, he was part of this journey and everything. We've I've known him for a while. And yeah, we're going to just uh, talk basketball, do what we do best. So getting right into it, uh, just give me, Shazab, I want some of your predictions coming into this next season, maybe some of your hot takes, some players, teams that you think are going to stand out, um, anything of that of you know that nature. Of course. Well, first, I want to say thanks for bringing me back on, Jorge. Always happy to do it. Um, and yeah, this has been a, it's been a minute in this journey. And bringing it back to basics, it's just hoops. That's the spirit of this show. And it always, it's always been that spirit. Um, but in the spirit of just hoops, my first, um, I, I definitely have a couple predictions that I'll talk about throughout the episodes, but throughout the episode, but firstly, I think that the, uh, the heat are going to bounce back big. I think that the Knicks, the dare I see are going to go top four, top three, maybe. Um, and the Celtics will, will definitely bounce back into the top five. I'm not sure. I can't remember where they finished last year, but. Obviously, they've been on the decline the past few years post uh, Kyrie leaving um, and Gordon Hayward. And obviously now um, Coach Brad Stevens is now the GM. He's no longer the head coach. So um, in terms of East, Eastern Conference, I definitely see things reshaping a little bit. Obviously, the Ben Simmons situation as it relates to Philly. We got to talk about that later. A lot of changing dynamics in the East. In the West, things are kind of the same. Obviously, L.A. is doing their thing that they've been doing every year where they just go out and they find every 30, 30 year plus uh, 30 year old plus uh, free agent and sign them or trade for them. Uh, and they call it a super team. Talk about that later. Uh, but I also think on the West coast, the Suns are really going to be coming into their own. I think they're going to make a big impact on this campaign. How about you, Jorge? What's what, what's going through your head? So I think that you missed a very vital team. I think the Chicago Bulls are going to surprise a lot of people this uh, season. I think they'll end up top four. I think they are, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but they're my underdogs in the playoffs. And I think adding Lonzo Ball, a dynamic point guard who was who came in as pretty much a pass first, high IQ, uh, Rajon Rondo-like, then was traded to the New Orleans Pelicans and had to adjust to play more off the ball and being a shooter. And now he's mixed, you know, his great defensive skills, his size, you know, his ability to defend pretty much one through three. And also now he's about a 40% shooter before he got injured last year um, with the Pelicans. But throughout the season, both seasons in New Orleans, he averaged 37% from beyond. And now they have Nikola Vucevic, which they acquired last season. They've added DeMar DeRozan. And with Zach Levine, I think they have a really, really good roster put together. Um, I'm a big fan of Patrick. I'm gonna butcher his name. No, I'm not. Patrick Williams. He's uh, one of the young forwards that Chicago has. 
But I think they're going to make a lot of noise. If Philadelphia does keep Ben Simmons, Ben, Sim- ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, I think they're going to be doing um quite fantastic. And I think they'll probably be able to surprise a lot of people as compared to last year. I just think it'll be uh, extra motivation. If they're able to keep Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, you know, he's just going to take it to a whole nother level. If he's, I wouldn't say forced, but, you know, convinced to come back and give it another shot. Um, and as far as the Western Conference, I think the Utah Jazz were a team that took a really bad step. They, I really thought when Kawhi Leonard went down in that series, if I'm not mistaken, was it game five or game six with the ACL? I really thought that um, Donovan Mitchell specifically would really step up in those games, and so would the rest of the troops, and he would be able to rally in that series, go to the Western Conference Finals, and, you know, who knows what could have happened between uh, the Jazz and the Suns, which is a series that I uh, personally wanted to see. So it's going to be interesting to see those two teams. And then as far as a player that I want everybody to watch this year, and of course this is a little bit of bias, but I think Tyler Hero has shown a lot of uh, promise in this preseason. If I'm not mistaken, he's averaging well over 20 points a game. He's averaging about five to six assists and he's shooting some uh, pretty good splits. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from Tyler Hero from perspective of coming off the bench as a six man, being a playmaker, and of course, working on his offensive game and being more consistent on the scoring end, which is something that he lacked last year. And it's what we wanted to see in the bubble. Yeah. I I mean, part of, I agree with a lot of what you said, specifically on the Miami Heat. Um, I've also felt that Tyler Hero is going to play a major role in this campaign. I think last year he really stepped down from where he was two years ago, where he was really carrying the offensive load of the Miami Heat, along with obviously Jimmy Butler and uh, our guy, uh, Duncan Robinson. Sorry, the name almost escaped me, but cannot forget uh, Duncan and his uh, his wonderful play as a solid three and D player. But him, too, he kind of stepped down a lot this year. And I think Bam Adebayo is another good example of this, where a lot of these players, they've shown that they can play at that high caliber level. They can you know, whether it's getting rebounds, playing off, you know, getting baskets, um, making that extra pass, a fluid offense. I think the Miami Heat is is a good example of this combined with, uh, you know, tough, hard-nosed defense by Eric Spolster, of course, in the driver's seat. Um, they have been a promising team, but the past year, you know, they really did shit the bed to some extent. And I think that this year is going to be that redemption year. And this is what we're seeing a lot of is, is, uh, is redemption year. This arc, it's, it's recurring throughout the league. We're seeing it with uh, Philadelphia, potentially. We're seeing it with the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to see it with the Lakers to some extent. Um, we're, we're going to see a lot of this, uh, you know, it's time to get back in blood. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that we're getting back in blood. That That's, I guess, the recurring theme. This is, that's what this year is about. Uh, and you're going to see that storyline played out in the East and West. We're seeing young versus old in the East. We're seeing the Sixers versus the Nets or the Bucks versus the Nets, the young, young guard versus new guard in the West. We're seeing the same thing. Lakers and Clippers versus the Nuggets and the, the Suns, old guard versus new guard. Uh, and Lakers are definitely on the older side of the old guard. Um, but these are definitely, I think we're on the same page in terms of our opinions. And it's funny you mentioned Chicago because I've always written them off. I mean, really ever since, I mean, aside from Derek Rose, ever since Michael Jordan left, they've kind of, they've been in the shitter. Um, but you do bring up some good points. I have lost a lot of faith in Lonzo Ball. 
Uh, I know that you think highly of him, and I, I used to think very highly of him, but I think he's at a point where he's had a couple injuries. He's had some inconsistency. He hasn't even really been able to play a full 82-game season or pretty close to it um, uh, because it's you know it's hard for people to play the full 82 games. But regardless of that, there's a lot of – I, I call Alonzo Mr. Mr. Inconsistent or King of Inconsistency. And I think Chicago is a franchise that is desperately in need of a consistent pass-first point guard. He's a pass-first point guard. He can get buckets. He can make the extra pass. He can run the offense. He can play pick and roll. He can do off ball. He can do all the things that a pass-first point guard can do, but can he do it consistently? I'm going to argue no. The data thus far has shown he can't, but uh, it's like when he is in there, he's great. But how often is he in there? That's, I guess, my argument here. Um, I could totally agree with that, and I guess there really is no argument, especially when you're saying the numbers and his injury um, history. But I would push back as far as now he doesn't have to be that – he is the pass-first guy, but you have to also think just the load defensively and offensively that he can take off of himself simply by having DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. That's already more talent than he's ever had. I understand people are going to say, oh, but he had Zion. Zion is not as versatile as far as a skill set as a Nikola Vucevic who you could say, yes, Zion Williamson is better than Nikola Vucevic. I could say Nikola Vucevic is more skilled and has more in the mm-hmm. bag to offer than a Zion Williamson. That gives Lonzo Ball a lot to do off a of pick and roll. He has a Zach Levine next to him and, of course, DeMar DeRozan, who doesn't shoot a lot of threes. But the whole mix of how the four of them will fit in a lineup is obviously showing defensively that they will be uh, very, um, you know, extremely improved. Now, we'll just have to see, can they all stay healthy? And if they all stay healthy, they all stay healthy, then I'm sure we'll be uh, very, very surprised come with the playoffs next year. Moving on to our next topic, just give me a team from each conference that you think um, is going to – so give me your Eastern Conference picture, Eastern Conference Finals, and your Western Conference Finals. And then, you know, obviously pick your the two winners there and then who's going to win the championship. Your prediction right now. I really feel that regardless of all the Kyrie stuff, which we'll talk about later – I think Brooklyn will be coming out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, and I think from the Western Conference, I'm going with L.A., even though they have that uh, that ensemble of elderly citizens. I still think that that experience is going to help them. On the East, like I said, totally different picture from last year. A lot of different players have been moving around. Kemba Walker to the Knicks, Dennis Schroeder to the Celtics. Um, both definitely good additions to the team, not great superstar caliber, you know, uh, um, additions, but still great solid role players or sixth men or second, third cast members that are going to help them in their pursuit of the Larry Bryan trophy this year. Um, additionally, we have the heat planning to come back. We have, you know, Trey young has, has been hungry. will always be hungry. Um, I think, but aside from all that, I think that a healthy Brooklyn Nets team, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, that's all you need to know. As long as they're able to play healthy and consistently, they're getting out of the East. I would say, I would argue the main reason why they didn't get out of the East is one, because of James Harden's hamstring issues, two, because of Kyrie Irving's inconsistencies, both physical and spiritual. Uh, <laughs> and um, and Kevin Durant having to kind of take on the bigger load against a guy like Giannis against a powerhouse like uh, Milwaukee with a very big, uh, big lineup, um, including obviously Drew Holiday. Um, remind me, does Eric Bledsoe, he played for the Bucks this year, did he? He, 
Um, no, he got traded before, and then that's what they had been replaced. Bledsoe was on a different team, the the Pelicans, and then he got traded somewhere else. Come, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. I was gonna mention him, but I remember he's the one that secured the trade for Drew Holiday. And I remember when this had happened, we had chatted about it a little bit that you know Milwaukee is really trying to go big on the offensive end, especially from the guard position, which is totally gonna outmatch. Uh, anyone from the uh, from Brooklyn side. And that's one thing we saw a lot of is we saw the guards out rebounding some of the guard, some of the forwards and the guards and Drew Holiday was really getting, I mean, even the last play of the last, I think it was the game seven, it was Drew Holiday cutting to the rim or, you know, getting, getting into the post. And um, that's why I think that, uh, you know, all that stuff is great, but you put Kyrie in there, you put James Harden in there, you get them healthy. Drew Holiday is not having the game that he is having. Uh, Giannis will perform, but I would I would argue that uh, he would probably shit the bed um, because of the, the the ante and I guess the, uh, the, uh, the the circumstance of saying, well, they got KD, they've got Kyrie, they got James Harden, they're in sync, they're ready to roll. Um, there's no way that Giannis will be able to take them on all by himself, and he'll probably fall just like he did two years ago against Miami. So that's why I argue for Brooklyn coming in and i think also a lot of the sixers inconsistencies are going to be there um sure phil you know if, if ben simmons is to return he he'll probably play great um but i think come playoff time he's going to do the same thing he did last year he, you know the chair is going to be pulled from under him um i i would say brooklyn is the cons is the consistent i mean hey vegas has been saying brooklyn so i'm going with, with vegas what vegas is saying but that all aside the numbers are behind brooklyn um and recently uh, Recently, there, it was announced that Brooklyn is not letting Kyrie play at all, if I'm not mistaken. If that's true, I would easily take Brooklyn out, and I would say it's uh, all bets are off. It's any, it's up for the grab. It's up for grabs. Um, that's how I feel about the East. I feel pretty safe in saying that. Jorge, what are your thoughts? So uh, the Western Conference, I have the Lakers coming out just purely off. They have the most dynamic um, big three in the NBA, probably in the past 25 years that we've seen. Um, I think a lot of people say, oh, there's better three. But I think dynamically, the way that Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis can each individually have individually impacted a team by themselves. And now the three of them, which are, you know, considerably team first players, are now surrounded by a group of veterans. I think they will make a very, very, you know, easy demolishing of the Western Conference come playoff time uh, based off IQ, playoff experience, uh, a guy named LeBron James, uh, another guy named Anthony Davis, and a guy named Russell Westbrook who is going to play, drop a triple-double with no, you know, no hero ball and messed up clutch moment and going to look so great this year. Uh, In the Eastern Conference, I do like the Brooklyn Nets a lot. I know a lot of people are going to go up in arms about this, but I think uh, one of the things that the Brooklyn Nets do have is an amazing trio, the best scoring trio of all time. I think there isn't a team better equipped to defend the perimeter this year and a team better built to beat the Brooklyn Nets than that beautiful South Florida, Miami Heat, baby. So I think the Miami Heat are going to come out of the Eastern Conference. I think it's going to be a match for the 2020 finals uh both teams have come back with vengeance and they have not signed they haven't signed superstars they did what they needed to do to build the winning championship team uh i think that the lakers and the heat if they met in the playoffs they i'd probably still give the edge to the lakers uh, clearly because of the three stars but i think just the heat the way they're constructed uh kyle lowry's a veteran point guard he's already won a championship he's been a, a 
you know, at he's been with a player like like Jimmy Butler. He was with Kawhi Leonard. The last time he won a championship was with a Kawhi Leonard-like player. Who's closer to Kawhi Leonard than Jimmy Butler? You have Bam Adebayo, a young center who should probably be playing the four at a six six nine, and he, you know, he's now a two forty five with muscles, and he's also a defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, what else could you ask from this team? In addition to that, they added the recent uh, champion, P.J. Tucker, to the squad with Marcus Morris. They made a lot of low-key signings to just strengthen the team. I think another player who's going to surprise a lot of people, you know, he's going to drop a couple of 25-point games and a couple of, like, break a couple three-point records. His name is Max Struess, and the Struess is going to be loose this season. So I have the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers on the 2022 finals for a 2020 rematch, and uh, I have the Lakers win. That's my prediction. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points with Miami. Um, Kyle Lowry is definitely going to play well. Go go ahead, go ahead. Just to add this, and I I forget because since he's not starting the season, I keep forgetting. Victor Oladipo is on the team. Uh, People need to realize Victor Oladipo can play the one. So many of the players on the Miami, he can play and defend multiple positions, and that's going to be the ultimate downfall of pretty much any team because we can switch it up so many ways. We can play so many people in so many different positions. I think that's uh, the versatility that Miami has, the Heat culture, Eric Spolstra, Pat Riley. We're going to be a problem for any team that we play. In a seven-game series, nobody's built for a seven-game series like we are, other than the Los Angeles Lakers. Right, right. That, that's a very good point. And, and I, I really like how you said that they got a lot of low-key signings. I think... There's two ways you can go about free agency and pursuing the chip. You can either try to land as many, you know, uh, these superstar signings like Brooklyn did and have like a at least a mediocre average supporting cast. Or you can do something like Miami, where these are kind of like more average players, but you have more players. It's kind of like, do you want to do more reps or more sets? And obviously, um, Brooklyn is out here doing three. They want three big reps, whereas um uh, Miami wants to do the same number of reps, but plenty more sets. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that mm-hmm. I think they're they're trying to go more deep with their roster, uh, and that's reflected in the choices of Vic Oladipo and Kyle Lowry and now PJ Tucker already being added to the to the nice young nucle- nucleus of of uh, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy uh, Duncan, yeah Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, um, Tyler Hero, um, and Bam, Bam Adebayo and Chris Dunn, not Chris Dunn. Am I? He doesn't. Kendrick Nunn is with Kendrick the Lakers Nunn. now. Sorry, yeah, that's right. Because Kendrick Nunn, that's what it, Kendrick Nunn has has been is, is in LA now. Um, Goron, I believe Goron is still with Miami. No, he got tr- he was included in the Kyle Lowry deal with Precious Achua. Yeah, the Miami he have a really really deep team. Um, that's why I was saying that like a multitude of positions: Victor Oladipo, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler. Um, I like this Tyler. retooled roster way more than last year's roster, personally. A, a thousand times. You know me. I'm a, a very big defensive person. I think that defense wins championships. Shout out to Chris Mullen. He said mm-hmm. best. Uh, it starts on the defensive end. You know, and that's what I think that Brooklyn is lacking is the depth. I think every team is lacking depth except for, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers who signed everybody and their mother on a minimum deal. But that's what you have to do. I think the Lakers and the Heat did it the best way. And the funny part is they both lost in the first round where the you know, were ridiculed all offseason. And they arguably were the two teams that improved themselves the best. Because if you consider Brooklyn, they re-signed Blake Griffin. Okay. 
they got Paul Millsap. Okay, who else did they get? That's about it. And uh, Cam Thomas, that they got the new rookie they signed. That's fine. Wait till the season comes, you know? Like, so mm. it's just a thing of the two teams that retooled the most were the two teams that were uh, ridiculed and knocked out. And also the two teams that most recently um, made the finals, you know, other than obviously the Bucks and the Suns. Right, who right. Also that... retooled perfectly. Oh, yeah, of course. That That's a really good point because uh, oftentimes, you know, when a team that has been in the finals does not return, you know, when the incumbent loses the race, uh, there's a lot of retooling, rethinking, and and uh, and hard hard decisions to be made. And I agree. I think the Miami did a way better job of it than LA. But I want to get your thoughts on LA. And like, I think it's very corny what they do every year. They just like resign. They like resign or trade for the same guys, and they're all thirty. Like, it's like the same group of like Dwight Howard, Javale McGee, Rajon Rondo, LeBron, AD, Kuzma, maybe. Uh, and like, it's, it's just this like same team, but they just, the players will spend a year in another, at another team and come back. Um, I think Russell Westbrook is different because he is a guy who has needed a good supporting cast. Um, so that he's not just doing the, the losing triple double where he has the 30, 10, 10, but he loses the game by 30. Um, instead he's going to have guys like, I just can't believe it. He's going to have guys like LeBron and 80 to back him up. Shit. Like, that's going to be a very hard uh, offense to defend. Uh, if you look at the Los Angeles Lakers um, up and down, of course, Anthony Davis is a person you can put on any team. He's going to bolster their chances of winning a championship by a lot. So Anthony Davis, of course, I've always said is the most important piece. But this year, he's not the most important piece because he's going to have the ball much less now, now that Russ is on the team. And if you look at the team, uh, players like Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, you have players like Wayne Ellington, when he gets healthy again, Taylor Horton Tucker, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, and that's about it. So I'm talking about just guards and stuff. Those players, what they, oh, and Wesley Matthews, what those players all have in right. common is that they can space the floor and they can shoot. Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, and um, JaVale McGee. No, JaVale McGee signed with the Suns. But right. yeah, uh, so it's DeAndre Horton, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard. And Anthony Davis. So that's kind of the same. Damn. They have a, a roster similar to the 2020 roster where they had a, a lot of bigs to rebound. What they were able to do with Miami, which is the problem that I think we'll, we won't run into this year if we were to face them in the finals again, is we finally have consistent bigs that could either come off the bench at some point to neutralize just the rebounding difference. Because the thing that people need to realize is not just Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan grabbing rebounds. It's that they're excellent at grabbing and kicking back out. They're used to that. Right. So now you're not just kicking back out to some, you know, 30 year old veterans. We're talking about Carmelo Anthony, Ariza. We're talking about Wayne Ellington, snipers, Wesley Matthews, a sniper, Malik Monk, and who Malik Monk, he like, he has a bunch of games where he scores 30 something points. So I think he had like 12. 30-point games, if he gave the Lakers seven of them in the mm. playoffs, how many games is that that you win? Uh, Kendrick Nunn is another streaky scorer. So I think that they build an excellent roster for what they want to do, which is win a championship. And that's why they're all on one-year deals. They're all just chipping in. LeBron James is getting older, and I think they're playing it year by year. I think that the Los Angeles Lakers are thinking to themselves, when is LeBron just going <clears> to... <throat> When's the day that he just drops... So what we're going to do is we're going to sign everybody around him one year. So it's not like, you know, 
one, they don't have the money. Now they don't have the money because Le- uh, Davis and Westbrook and LeBron take up like 90-something percent of the money, which is why they're all signed to minimum deals. It's a win-now situation, and I think it's a, it's a smart move. Uh, the thing is, is what's going to happen when all these players that – there's not – where's the ego? Like, is everybody going to be able to drop their ego to win this championship? Because I know in the Miami Heat locker room, that's going to happen. You know, but I don't know if in the Lakers, they have a little bit more ego problem now. They have a Westbrook ego. They have a Carmelo Anthony's always had an ego. Malik Monk has an ego. Kendrick Nunn has an ego, you know. Uh, and that's not to say, and not in a bad way. I don't mean this to in a detrimental way. These are just players who have a lot of pride in their game and they like to, you know, get the ball and score. So it's going to be interesting. I think some of these pieces might actually end up being traded because uh, it, it may or may not work. But as far as what the team is constructed as, it's a Russell Westbrook and LeBron James party house. Drive and kick all day. You're not going to do anything about it. And if we miss or we run a pick and roll, I have Anthony Davis, uh, Dwight Howard, or DeAndre Jordan to catch a lob. And when he comes back from injury and LeBron gets off the court, I'm now throwing Taylor Horton Tucker, who's looking like a fantastic 3 and D player. Yeah, no, they're they're, <laughs> they're full deep, of bucket getters. That team is, but there's, is you know, just, sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, you're fine. But this was my this is my point too. I don't think that um they're as deep with Miami as far as we can throw more defenders than they can. And while you have the bucket getters, they're still not superstars. So I just have to throw the stopper at you. You know, it's not a LeBron. Malik Monk is in LeBron. I'm throwing PJ Tucker. I don't even have to do that. I'm throwing Duncan Robinson on Malik Monk, you know, like things like that. So there's also that part. There's not a lot of defense on the Lakers roster. That's a really good point. And a perimeter like, perspective too. There's there's a lack of defense and there's also a lack of consistent offense on the Lakers side. Meaning that if you put a guy like Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero on, or uh, Victor Oladipo on uh, Malik Monk or, you know, t- uh, was the TH, THT. THT. Um, you're or mellow, you, even or mellow, even you're gonna stop them easily. Um, and and that's very problematic for the Lakers team because obviously they're gonna have Russell and LeBron, you know, playing at that high level, but it can't just be the Russell LeBron show. I know you mentioned that it is gonna be, and I agree, they're gonna be doing a ma- majority of the, the, the ball handling and the baskets. Um, but like uh, this is again this is the issue that they've faced in the past where they build the team around lebron they build the team around ad or they build the team whatever it may be and then ad goes down they're screwed or lebron goes down their first year they don't even make the playoffs uh obviously different scenarios um but at the same time this rings true if you build the team around two or three superstars uh rather than a deeper bench like miami Sure, you're taking a you you're taking a big risk here, and it might pay off. But at the same time, if one of those people go down, no one's gonna step up to fill Russ Westbrook's shoes. No, like Malik Monk. You think Malik Monk's gonna do that? No. Whereas, whereas with Miami, if Jimmy Butler goes down, Vic Oladipo and uh, and T and Kyle Lowry will be able to step up to take on that load. Obviously, they're not gonna match uh, Jimmy Butler's intensity but they can pick up that scoring load, that 15, 20, whatever points a game it is, uh, getting those rebounds, playing through the offense. I can easily see Kyle Lowry and Vic Oladipo as a dynamic backcourt 
to make up for, say, um, Jimmy Butler has to step out. Um, you cannot say the same for LA. If LeBron goes down, they're done. If Russell Westbrook goes down, they might be done. Uh, if AD goes down, they're definitely done. I That's yeah. my argument. It's like a house of cards, right? That's how I view Lakers and a lot of these super teams. Lakers, Brooklyn, I put them in my in my you know final matchup because obviously they're the best teams and they're going to get there hypothetically speaking. But it's and they're a big they're a, you know built up a big team. But that's it. That's all it is. It's a house of cards. There's no real foundation. Whereas the Miami Heat, they ha- they're not that big of a house, but they got that foundation with guys like I just mentioned, uh, a blend of a young of a young roster with you know the elders and some of the veterans and a great coaching staff, and a lot more consistency. That's one thing you're going to see from, at least in terms of roster changes. The Heat are going to stay way more consistent than the Lakers because of what you just mentioned, where LeBron is like a short-term kind of a thing right now, where they're signing, because of LeBron's potential decline, they are only signing these guys to one-year deals. There's no commitment there. There's no buy-in. There's like, do you want the chance for a ring? Sign with us for one year for less money. And the Eagles might destroy all this. So it's not a sure bet. Like two years ago, yeah, they won. One year ago, they didn't even make the finals. This year, it could be either either way. <clears throat> Whereas I think with Miami, the players are going to have much more buy-in and much more say in how things go in the direction of the team. It's uh, it's definitely more, more, more uh, I guess, I guess a healthy and much more, much more, um, beneficial towards the the entirety of the organization as mm-hmm. opposed to los angeles where there has been lots of turbulence over the past few years yeah and you know one of the things with the western conference that i think people don't realize is just how much better um you know not the clippers but the jazz i think that a signing that went under the radar a couple signings went under radar one was rudy gay joining the utah jazz which is an excellent stretch for he's almost like another Bogdan. Oh my goodness, did I mess him up? No, Bojan. Bojan Bogdanovich. Bojan Bogdanovich. So he's like another Bojan Bogdanovich. And, you know, no disrespect to Rudy Gobert. But what Rudy Gobert does on the court, Hassan Whiteside can come and sort of duplicate. So I think Whiteside being one of the best, you know, they have two of the best rim protectors. What if they literally said, yo, you guys want to come in the paint, watch this. And you threw Whiteside and Gobert in at the same time. You could spread the floor. They have defenders everywhere. You throw Rudy Gay at the three, you know, Mitchell and Mike Conley. What are you going to do? Who's going to score in the paint with those two towers? So I think they have a really interesting dynamic in Utah. When you mentioned about the injuries, what's very interesting too is what's going to happen with AD because AD is the same story every season. Does he, I hope he doesn't get injured, but does he get injured? He's never, you never know with AD. And it's going to be very, very, it's going to be a season where we have to sit back and the biggest enemy of all these super teams is not their roster, not their GMs. It's just one beautiful thing. Father time, because <clears throat> time you have to get through the 82 games first, then you have to get through the playoff games. And all you need is one second to step wrong one second to bump into somebody. It takes one second to get injured and your whole season is done, you know, and it could be a bunch of vital players. And of course, Every, before every season, I want everybody to be healthy. Before every playoffs, I want everybody to be healthy because that injuries are part of the game, but you never want to see them. And I want these athletes to be able to, you know, they, don't, they have such a limited time. So it's going to be, like you said, we never know, but these are our preseason predictions. I do want to let that be known before people start messaging me like, 
Oh, you think the Miami Heat? Yo, anything like tomorrow, half the team can get COVID and out for the season and we're done or something, you know? But now I want to move on to the uh, two player situations. So we have the Ben Simmons and the Kyrie Irving situation. We're going to first uh, get into the Ben Simmons situation currently. Rich Paul, the Illumin, uh, part of the Illuminati Clutch Sports of the NBA, has been um, in talks with Philadelphia to get. It's Rich Paul, right? Or Maverick Carter, am I? For, um, For Clutch Sports, it's Rich Paul. Oh, yeah, it's Rich Paul. Yeah. Yeah. So Rich Paul. So Ben Simmons is reportedly going to return to Philadelphia. He is or very, very close to returning to Philadelphia and rejoining his team. Now, Shazam Malik, you are the Philadelphia 76ers GM. You're going to have Ben Simmons. We're either going to play him half the season and trade him, or we're going to try to repair this, and we think we have what it takes to do something with this roster. The floor is yours. I, this, this whole situation has, has uh, reminded me of some video of, of Ben Simmons um, training over the summer where he's, like, sinking threes in mid-range and transition threes like it's nothing. And I'm just sitting there thinking – the guy can fucking shoot. Why is he not doing this? This is bullshit. I think Ben Simmons gets a bad rap. I think he's a great, he's a unicorn of a player. He's Magic Johnson-esque in a lot of ways. Um, but he is, old. but what, Mad, what Magic had that Ben does not is consistency. This is a recurring theme I've been mentioning throughout the show. Consistency, consistency, consistency. And I don't want to be redundant, but it is something we need to see. If you're a if you're a Philly exec, are you like, you know what? Maybe I would rather trade uh, Ben Simmons to get some to get a couple players who might not be as good but are, are more consistent. That's that's a decision that they're going to have to make. If I'm in that position, I'm saying to Ben, listen, like I'm calling his bluff. I'm just like, listen, I know you're not a bitch. I know you can shoot. Let's see it. You have till this time. Obviously, like. This is just me being hyperbolic, but you have till halfway through the season to prove to us that you can consistently shoot, that you can consistently pass, that you can consistently score, and that you can function within this team with with very little disruptions and high levels of consistency. If you cannot do that, we're going to trade you. We know you. There is value. All this, all the media stuff talking about how bad he's done. All that aside, there are teams that want you. We will trade you if needed. and if you don't like this, we'll trade you now. That's how I feel. He needs to go all cards on the table right now. There cannot be any hesitance. There cannot be any second second chances or second thoughts. There needs and it's going to be very tough with a guy like Rich Paul, you know, guiding Ben Simmons, um, considering the the uh, influence that that uh, Rich Paul peddles throughout the NBA. Um, but I, at the end of the day, Rich Paul is an agent. And Philly, they are the organization. They are the ones who are making the decisions, who are running the team. They need to put their foot down and say, listen, we, we like our relationship with working relationship with Rich Paul. We like working. We, we love Ben being on this team. But listen, you have, you know, you know, 41 games to prove to us that you can do exactly what we want you to do. And if you can't do that, I'm sorry, we're done. All the cards on the table. That's how I see Philly getting out of this. So I um kind I kind of agree with you and I kind of don't. One second. No, you're good. So here's because I just want to collect my thoughts. I think Ben Simmons should be traded, and I'm gonna say for the same reason. I think Ben Simmons has a fantastic skill set. 
I think the problem is not Ben Simmons. I think the problem is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't go together. I think a, a point guard that is going to refuse to shoot but that can drive to the paint should not have a big man that is one of the best big men right now back to the basket. Here's one, one of Ben Simmons' problems that's not Joel Embiid's fault and is not Ben Simmons' fault. Joel Embiid, of course, we know came into the NBA with a foot injury. Joel Embiid is not mobile. So you can't have the, you can't have the, the freedom of having Joel Embiid sit around in a corner at a three-point line. That's not possible, you get me, with his play style. So you need Ben Simmons to kind of not have a big man. And I'm not saying not to have a superstar big man, but you just can't have Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid is somebody who needs the ball. He's a superstar. Um, that's not a knock on either player. I just think their skill sets are so great. And defensively, I mean, oh my goodness, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid defensively together is fantastic, and any team would like to have that. But offensively, spacing doesn't work. Ben does not have a role. If all you're going to do is pitch it down to Joel Embiid or drive and, you know, dish it to him, which you can't, you can hardly do anymore because people don't even care that Ben is driving. They rather stick Joel and Ben Simmons try to go up on a layup than, you know, um, defend Joel Embiid on the catch. I'm sorry, then let Joel Embiid catch and uh, dunk. So Ben Simmons, I don't even know where you would trade him to, but. I've said before, I think the only team that makes sense if Ben Simmons is in a win-now situation, I think is the Golden State Warriors for players like James Wiseman and uh, Jonathan Kuminga, maybe like the Moses Moody's of the world, players like that. But, you know, that's about it because there's just four years left on the contract. The mm. trade value isn't that high. Portland Trailblazers fans don't want him. And so, you know, the organiz- I don't think the organization would pull – and he just, he's in a tricky situation. What do you do with a point guard that can but refuses to shoot? What do you do with that point guard that is also a defensive player of the year caliber? Top top three, I think he was defensive player of the year. So my defensive player of the year for last year, Ben Simmons, can guard one to five, is a playmaker, 6'10", and runs like a bulldozer down the court, can bully any point guard down in the post, yet averages 14 points a game. There's more greatness in Ben Simmons. Um, I think if you put him in his own team, I think a situation that he's not going to want, but I think works. I think Colin Sexton is unhappy. I think Colin Sexton, Ben Simmons deal with a couple picks here and there. And I think in Cleveland would be a fantastic place for him to restart, but he wants to go to Cali. But the only team that makes sense to me that you can go and there's a couple of players there that you could trade in, in the future and as well as build around is, a, is Darius Garland and Ben Simmons with, you know, Jared Allen, uh, Evan Mobley, uh, Isaac Okoro. Isaac Okoro. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to mess up his name. But hit um, those young gentlemen. So that's really the only deal that me makes sense. But then it all comes down to Ben Simmons is one of the top point guards in the NBA, no matter what. Skill set. Skill set alone. So that's what I'm saying. Situation. That is reflected in his market value. I agree with some of the things you said, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how things how things. <laughs>